Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you the news, results, and drama from the exciting world of running. This is The Rundown. Well, this is a very, very special edition of The Rundown. We are doing the recap of the 2022 Berlin Marathon. Maddie and I are joined today on the call all the way from Germany by our new Canadian women's marathon record holder, Natasha Wodak. Tasha, huge congratulations and welcome to the ShakeOut. Oh, thank you very much, Kate and Maddie. I'm happy to be here today. How are you feeling? I'm very happy. Um, definitely a little overwhelmed and I'm very sore. <laughs> all completely understandable reactions. <laughs> Has it? There's no. It hasn't really sunk in yet. Probably right. It'll. That'll take a few days. Yeah. Um, I'm still in a little bit of disbelief. Like, you know, when you have like A, B, C goals, like that was like not even on the chart. So I'm. Yeah. Like scratching my head. Literally. Like I don't know how that happened. So um, it's really cool. And I'm like, my phone was just been like blowing up, and I'm so like overwhelmed by the amount of people that are just sending me such wonderful messages and stuff. So it's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, totally well-deserved. And I know that you're going to take some time now um, to relax and recover and I'm sure get it back to some of those, uh, those people who have been supporting you, but it's just so absolutely thrilling. So you ran 223.12. The previous Canadian record, of course, set by Melinda Elmore in 2020 was 224.50. And Tasha, your previous PB was 226.19. So over three full minutes off of your own PB. You just talked about having A, B, and C goals going in. Um, can you walk us through what those were and what the kind of race plan was, um, like how you approached it? Yeah, like my, you know, my sort of dream goal was to run around 224 flat. Um, that's what we were targeting. And, you know, obviously I wanted to break the Canadian record, which is 224.50. And then like the, you know, sort of the B goal, which was still good, was to run a personal best. And then, you know, like the C goal was like basically to just like, if I couldn't PB, try to get under 230. And then like, I thought if I had like the best day ever, I could maybe run 223.45. Like that was sort of, you know, like, oh my gosh, that would be like amazing. So when I, you know, was running to the finish line and I saw, I looked up and saw the clock and it was like, you know, 2301, 2302. I was like, what the heck? Like, I literally hadn't realized we had picked up the pace that much over the last 10K for me to get down into that low of the, the 223. So it was like, what just happened? <laughs> That's so exciting when you know that you're going to run fast, but you're you're still kind of like rewarded with that surprise at the finish line of not knowing how fast it was going to be. That's awesome. So take us through the race. I know that you're probably still processing it. It's only been, you know, just over 24 hours, but you said that you knew that you were running fast through halfway, um, but that the finish time was still a surprise. So can you kind of like give us the overview of how the race, how it went, kind of like your splits, first of all, were like metronomic. So obviously you were really dialed in, but yeah, kind of take us through the race and tell us um, kind of chunk by chunk how it went. Sure. Yeah. I was really fortunate. I had a pacer 
um, Tony Tomish from, he's American, lived in Vancouver and then moved to Germany. And so he was running the race. And anyways, I reached out to him and, and he, uh, yeah, agreed to be my pacer. And he was just like, awesome. And I had told him I wanted to go out more on the conservative side. So I was like one, you know, one twelve flat. And I said, if we're a little bit slow going through half, I'm okay with that. And yeah, he was great. Like I just literally sat right behind him and he was running. I turned my watch off of auto split and I was only hitting the 5k splits. So I knew I wanted to be in the 17 minutes to 17, 10 range. And we were pretty much right in there kind of on a little bit of the slower end, but I was like, I was fine with it, you know, and it just felt really like it felt really easy. And like, just the way that it's supposed to feel in the first half of a marathon, you want it to feel like very, very comfortable. And so, um, right away going through 5k, I felt super comfortable and I was very relieved that I was like, okay, today is going to be a good day. But at 5k, my first bottle wasn't there. And so I was like, okay, it's just, it's just the 5k bottle. No big deal. I don't need that gel really anyways. And then we went through the 10k and my bottle wasn't there either. And so I was like, oh no, right? Like this is not good. Um, and for anyone listening that's curious, like I have my gels taped to my bottles every 5K. So I was then thinking, I'm not going to have any gels. Like, what am I going to do? So there was a whole group of guys that were in, like, in my little group that had all like attached on, which is awesome. They were great. And I was like, do any of you have an extra gel? And one guy's like, I do. So he gave me one of his gels, which was like a Morton gel, which I've never had before. So here I am breaking my golden rule, which is never do anything new in race, but I had to get in nutrition. So I took the gel, I grabbed water off the course out of one of the plastic cups (laughs) and I was like, okay. And then, you know, Tony was like, don't worry. Like I have, I have my bottles. You can share my bottles. We'll start getting gels off the course. Like we'll figure it out. But obviously I did panic a little bit because you don't know, are these gels going to settle okay with me? And like, but, um, we hit 15 K and there was my bottle and then the rest were all there. So I was very relieved by that. And, but the first, you know, couple stationed was a little bit of panic, but I, we would have figured it out either way. It wouldn't have been ideal, but we would have got it done with, I think there was like 10 guys that were in that group at least until 30 K when we like laid down the hammer and then we kind of dropped all those guys. But yeah. So after halfway, I said to Tony, like I said, let's, let's try to try to start picking it up a bit closer to like 1655 through the next 5k, which is exactly what we did. And then when we hit 25k, was it 25k or 30k? I was like, we need to like, we need to go. And he's like, all right, let's go. And then we, he just dropped the hammer and we started running like, I don't know. I know we ran a 1638 next 5k. And so it was like 320k. And then we started passing other girls. And I was just like holding on for dear life. And then <laughs> um 35 to 40, I was like, okay, this is hard. And I was like breathing hard. And like, I was like, are we slowing down? He's like, no. And then it was a 1635, 5k through there. And I was like, we were hammering it. And I could feel it. And I was, it was great because I was working hard. The last 2K, I felt like we'd slowed down, but we slowed down like one second, like per kilometer. So I was still running 320 was, but it was really only in that last 2K where I was like, I can't run any longer at this pace. Like I was like, that was my, we literally maxed out how long I could run that fast at the end. But um, Tony really was like, 
if he, he was just like, let's go and just like pushing me and pushing me. And I just kept holding on and holding on. And like, I was just waiting, you know, sort of waiting for the shoe to drop. How long can I keep pushing at this, like basically my half marathon pace, like just like a little slower and it just kept going and going. So yeah. And I ended up with that fast time, but, um, yeah, the body felt great. I had a little pain in my foot in the last three K, which my foot does not feel great today, but whatever (laughs) it made it to the finish line. So, so did you and Tony like cross the finish line together? He crossed like eight seconds behind me. Yeah. He let me have my like glory after the gate. It was very cute. Oh man, that's so exciting. And also Tash, I was saying to Kate, like ahead of this, that we'd been talking and you were like, this is going so well. Like I'm almost like, it's almost making me nervous how well this is going. And I said, like, I actually use the analogy of like, you're often waiting for the other shoe to drop and like how special when it doesn't. So it's so nice that you just said that because like, I feel like it's not every day that just like you make a plan and then obviously, except for the first two bottles, like everything goes according to plan. So like, that's so cool. Well, not everything went according to plan. I kind of had like a little mini meltdown the day before the race. Like I know Maddie, you and I talked during the week and I was jet lagged then and I just could not kick the jet lag. Like I was sleeping so terribly and like, two nights before the race, I had slept like maybe five hours. I was waking up like every hour and I was just exhausted the day before the race. And I was like, I'm just so tired. And I was like crying. I called Lindsay Tessier. I was like, I'm panicking. (laughs) I'm so tired. And it was, it was not ideal. Right. But, and of course, like coach Trent Stellingworth calmed me down and like sent me some research on like how <laughs> lack of sleep didn't affect like Navy SEALs and stuff. I don't know. And, but either way it was like, you know, yeah, I was just jet lagged and I was overwhelmed and I was stressed. Um, and that night I tried to fall asleep and I couldn't, and I couldn't, and I couldn't. And it was like 11 PM and I was like, I cannot sleep. And so I took half of a sleeping pill the night before a race, which is not ideal, but I did not know what to do. Like I was like, I have to sleep. So I I took half of a Zoplicone that we all take for jet lag. If anyone's wondering, it's a, it's a team Canada favorite for jet lag. And perfectly Um, legal. Yes. Yes. I did check the (laughs) prohibited list and it's, yeah, it's a little magic blue pill that sort of puts you to sleep for like four hours, but you don't want to be taking it the night before a race because you don't really want that in your system. So I hummed and hawed whether or not I should. And, you know, I talked to Alan, who's a doctor, and he was like, you need to sleep. The most important thing. And so I did. I slept five hours straight and I woke up in the morning and I felt great. And I was like, all right, I'm good to go. So that the day before definitely was not ideal that I got really overwhelmed with all the stress and the lack of sleep. But Ultimately, like, you know, I was resting all week, even though I wasn't like having these deep sleeps, I was still like in bed for like eight to 10 hours. And so there's a lot of value in that. So, you know, I wanted to like share that so that other people who like don't sleep before races, because it's super, super common is like, you can still run really well. Don't panic everybody. Um, You will be okay. (laughs) That's such a good reminder. Yeah, that's that's really great. I'm glad that you were able to um, have such a successful outcome sort of despite those things. And okay, so I want to go back a little bit to a few of the things that you said there, because I know that you, like for you, you just kind of glossed over them, but I, I want to make sure that they land for our audience. 
So you talked about some of your splits, and I want to get a little bit nerdy here for a second. And we'll post in the show notes the 5K splits from your race because they're pretty remarkable. Your slowest 5K average was 327 per K. So your slowest 5K was 1712. And then, as you said, you just kept getting faster. So you ran 1638 from 30 to 35K and then 1637 from 35 to 40K, meaning you were averaging about 320 a kilometer, which means that your 10K split from 30 to 40 kilometers was 3315. Is that right? I think something like that. Yeah. That's wild. I, I've been like doing the math <laughs> as you've been talking. So I'm like, there's no way that's correct. But yeah, so you ran 3315 for that 10K from 30 to 40K. And then also you negative split by more than a minute. So you went through halfway in 112.20 and you came back in 110.52. And Maddie actually looked this up. Maddie, I think we decided that um, based on the rankings in Athletics Canada, that's the sixth fastest half marathon time in Canadian history, your second half of the marathon. Including the one where you personally ran faster. So <laughs> like, how, how did that feel being able to lock into a pace like that? Like that just seems... I don't know, out of this world. I don't know. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. It was just like, it was a magical day. Like I knew that I was fit and I, and I was hitting workouts like that had exceeded anything I'd ever done before. So I knew I was fit enough to basically run 325 Ks like solidly. Um, but I did have one workout where I was hitting, I did four by six K and I averaged 322. So, you know, also, you know, it shouldn't be like that huge of a surprise that I was able to, to do this, but like that was 6k chunks. So that is short, right? So yeah, I don't know. I just that felt so comfortable early on. And I think there's, you know, a lot of value, or I guess, I don't know if the word's value, but like going out really conservatively for the first half versus going out like a little bit harder and then being like, okay, I'm going to just hold on. I think I run much better doing it a little slower through the first half and then negative splitting. Whereas a lot of people go a little bit harder and then just sort of like die to run a, a PB, which is fine. It just also isn't very fun um, <laughs> and hurts a lot more. So this was a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun when you're like rolling by people in the last 5k and like yeah and then like tony was like raising his hands to get the crowd going it was pretty cool <laughs> well and i feel like the back half of a marathon is so mental so like even just like like feeling good for part of that i feel like it, feeling good in your brain is almost just as important as feeling good in your body right like once you're hitting that sort of like 35k mark yeah i had to like when it started to get hard um, you know, physically I had to go through like my checklist, which is like what, you know, my former coach Lynn Kanuka had, you know, nailed into me so many times is like control what you can control and go through that. So it's like, what are you doing with your arms? What are you doing with your breath? Like just going back to those little things. So I had to focus on that when it got hard, like let Tony help you just take a deep breath, like bring your arms in and like one, two, one, two. So when I was able to come back around to that every you know, a couple minutes, it was super helpful because it just gets so hard. And then your form starts to go and my shoulders creep up to my ears. And, and so when I stopped try straining and tried to relax, it was much better. And yeah, so it really was, it really is so mental 
I mean, you guys know that it's like that in any event, right? When you're, you need to be so mentally tough and be able to trust your body and know that like my body can persevere so much longer than I think it can. Like it's tired, but I know it can like, I can push harder, like, and trust it. So, so what do you, do you have any uh, future half marathon goals? (laughs) You ran 110 within a 223 marathon. Well, I was talking to uh, coach Trent today and he was like, I think we should you know, before I had always been like, let's try to, you know, get down into the low 69s. And now we're not thinking more like low 68s. So um, I'm not, I'm not sure if we're going to run a spring marathon, to be honest. Um, we might just focus on trying to run a really fast half in the spring, you know, getting a little faster. I mean, who calls running a half marathon getting speed training? <laughs> and then, you know, maybe focusing on world champs in the summer or Toronto marathon. And if they put the Olympic trials in Toronto, we don't know yet what they're doing for, for that. But I also side note, Maddie, did you know that the girl that won the marathon used to be an 800 meter runner? Could be you. We were actually just talking about that and how she's the only woman known in history to break two minutes in the 800 and 220 in the marathon. So Maddie, there are no excuses. No, see, the thing is, Tash, you're talking about like seven kilometers of deep concentration. Like the whole reason I run the 800 is I've got like 70 meters of deep concentration. <laughs> like it's truly like it's really hard. You're looking at the finish line. And that is precisely where I want to live. You know, <laughs> like I want it to feel good for 730 meters. And then when the going gets tough, I'm like, yeah, but it's done there. So <laughs> I think I've got a ways to go to the marathon. I'm going to I'm going to find you. Yeah, I'm going to find you. In like 15 years. <laughs> would that make you 40 then? How old are you? <laughs> that would make me 42. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Perfect. Close. Yeah. It seems to be the sweet spot for our Canadian women marathoners. No so kidding. that's great. Yeah. Okay. So this was only your fifth marathon ever. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And I know that you had one, your, your debut was back in 2013, but then of course you focused primarily on the track and on kind of the half marathon and the roads. And then came back into like real focus on marathon in 2020 with the marathon project. And then of course, coming 13th at the Olympic games. And then I know that you were a bit disappointed with your performance in Boston in April. How did this training compare to those other lead ups? I know that you're uh, working with Trent Stellingworth now. Um, and I'm just wondering what was different and what lessons you learned from those previous marathons and previous buildups that made the difference. So really with this build, we didn't change too much. We just sort of increased the mileage a little bit and the workouts were a little more intense. Like I pushed myself a little bit harder and we were able to build on essentially two years of marathon training. So, um, you know, going into the Arizona marathon project, I literally had like a 12 week build and that was my first marathon build. And so, in I guess seven years or whatever. So this time around, I had so much more experience. I had three marathons in my back pocket within the last two years. And I had all the coaching from Lynn um, and combined that with the coaching from Trent. And it was like taking the best from both of them. And I feel so fortunate to have that, you know, and the training hasn't been that different, you know, some of the workouts have been a little bit different, but essentially like the main marathon workouts were essentially the same sort of 
style. You know, everyone does a little bit of different training with their marathon sessions. And my big ones, you know, were like very similar where we would do like sort of interval training. Um, A lot of people will do like floats in between, like, you know, 5K hard, 2K float, 5K hard, or something like that. Whereas we would take short breaths, like two minute rests in between, um, and then do a lot of long progression runs. So we had a lot of long progression runs. And I think that was the main difference in this build to any other build is I was able to do a lot more long progression runs and do them more solidly. Um, they were really hard for me over the last few years to hit marathon pace at the end of them. And I was, you know, I just, and that's just because we've been building for two years at this point. And so this time when I got to, you know, Berlin, I was definitely in the best shape because I had been able to do longer runs and harder runs and have more workouts at goal marathon pace. So, and also just like being at home all summer and enjoying the training at home with all my regular IST and just like ideal, perfect weather. Like it was really hard training for Boston because like it was just dark at night all the time and it was cold and rainy. And so I feel like half the time you're out there doing these workouts and your, your body's just trying to keep warm. I don't need to tell you guys that you're from Ontario. Like, so I think it was a lot easier to do these marathon sessions when that wasn't a factor. I didn't have to worry about like staying warm and I was just out there and, you know, sports bra and shorts and just loving it, loving. And there was a lot of joy, right? Like a lot of joy in the process this time around. And it was a little more tricky training for, for Boston. And the Olympics was also a great build, but more stressful. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like you talked about that, the the challenges you faced kind of weather-wise and condition-wise going into Boston. And it strikes me that that's the exact opposite of what you had to put your mind and body through to get to Sapporo, right? Because you were doing like intentional heat exposure that I'm sure felt absolutely terrible. So it's like you were in these extremes and it sounds like you found that sweet spot in this build where, like you said, you just had like ideal conditions, you had some stability, you were at home, you were comfortable, like that counts for so much, eh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like just being, you know, a lot of people do training camps and stuff like that. And that's great, but that's not really what I like to do. Like I'll go maybe once a year, like we went to San Diego for like 10 days or something, but like you need to weigh, I guess, weigh it out. Like the benefits of like, let's say going to altitude versus the benefits of your just being happy and being home. And for me, that's more important than like going to altitude or something like that. You know, not to say that I won't go to altitude, but I'm, you know, thinking if maybe I might go to Kenya and Alan would come with me. And then I think it'd be a little more fun than, you know, I have my partner who is also a doctor who can, you know, (laughs) take care of me. Poor guy today. I'm like, my foot hurts. Is it a stress fracture? What's wrong? (laughs) It's not a stress fracture. (laughs) I I hope not. Um, just before we move on from the training piece, I'm curious, you said you, you bumped up the mileage a bit. What kind of, uh, what was like your highest mileage week that you did in this build? Uh, 160K. Okay. And how does that compare to what you would have done in the past? I think I got, I got up to like 150. So it wasn't significantly more. I just had more weeks back to back that were like between 150 and 160. So I was able to have a little more consistency at that higher at a higher mileage range. Um, plus, I was still doing elliptical like three days a week. 
I was going to ask, because the last time you were on the podcast, you were talking about how your mileage was quite a bit lower than a lot of other marathoners, but that you supplement so much with the cross training. So you kept that in, eh? Yeah, just a little bit less. So it was like I would do three times a week, 30 minutes on the elliptical. So not like before I was doing more like three to four times a week, where it'd be like 40 minutes to 60 minutes on the elliptical. So I was, I was also just going to say long live the elliptical. I uh, love that machine. I use it all the time. I think it's, there's, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with just sort of going to the gym and pumping your arms for a few hours. And there's a, there's a lovely elliptical community. I just wish everyone could have seen you here, the visual we just got of Maddie's arms going nuts. <laughs> it was like the sock and rock and robots. <laughs> well, I like, I, I like the ellipticals with the arms that move better than the ones with the arms that don't, you know, as I've used an elliptical consistently for like a decade. And so I have a lot of preferences when it comes to my machines. <laughs> but so Natasha, tell us about your footwear in the marathon. Okay. So <laughs> that was a little bit of an issue for me. Um, leading into this race. So I am an ASICS athlete and ASICS came out this year with the new Metaspeed Sky Plus, which is a fantastic carbon fiber shoe. And every single marathoner out there is pretty much in love with this shoe, except it didn't work for my feet because I have really bad arthritis in my big toe joints. And the way that the shoe fit, it was just like putting more pressure there. And I kept trying to wear this shoe. I'm like, no, everyone likes it. It is the best shoe ever. But it just wasn't working for my feet. And then two weeks out, like I was leaving on the Friday and it was like the Friday before I'm like, okay, I need to use the, the original Metaspeed Sky. But my feet had like swollen and the seven and a half just were giving me blisters and weren't working anymore. So I needed to get the AIDS and I like couldn't get a hold of ASICs to get them to me. And then I ended up ordering the only pair I could find online through Black Toe Running in Toronto and got them shipped to me. I couldn't find any in Vancouver. And then ASICS did, like, ended up sending me three pairs the next day. So I was just like, I, was in, I knew ASICS would probably come through, but I was like terrified that I wouldn't have the shoe. So I have four, I have four pairs of the Meta Speed Sky uh, original, which... I absolutely love and they fit like a glove. I don't know how I was wearing seven and a half before, but anyways, it was a very stressful time when I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get this shoe and like, anyway, so that's what I was wearing and it was awesome. <laughs> so, What was it like racing in Berlin? Cause that's such a iconic course and it sounds like, like the conditions were perfect. Like you, you see the visuals of how like how many people deep the crowds go just to cheer on, you know, on the, on this course. So what was it like being there in that atmosphere? It was pretty incredible. Yeah. Especially with Kipchoge there, there was a really, you know, just vibe around him. Like it was like, ah, um, so that was pretty cool. And I tried not to fangirl too much. Um, uh, unfortunately I did not get a selfie with him and I regret that I was kind of a chicken and did not ask, but Anyways, um, really cool is that Dina Castor was there and she's like an idol of mine. And I was actually walking to the start line with her. So you kind of come around the fenced area because you can't see. And then you come around, you can see like the crowds of people. And there was like 35,000 people. And I looked over and I said to her, 
like, does this ever get old? You know? And she was like, no, it still makes me really emotional. And her eyes like welled with tears. And she was like, just use the energy of the crowd to propel you forward. And I was like, how awesome is this that I'm walking into the Berlin Marathon start line with Dina Castor giving me like positive vibes. Like it was pretty cool. And I felt pretty emotional too. Like it was, yeah, it was incredible. And the crowds were amazing. Like I had no idea the crowds are going to be like that. And they were just like lining the streets. And yeah, my partner was there, Alan, he was scooting around. <laughs> so he was popping up everywhere on a scooter. My parents were there, my brother and my nephew. So there was just like support everywhere. It was, it was pretty fantastic. When did you learn about Kipchoge breaking the world record? Um, about 10 minutes after I finished. Yeah. I asked my doping control officer because I had doping control. Um, and she was like, yeah, yeah, he broke it. I was like, that's so cool. So yeah, it's amazing. So the record has fallen so much in the last few years. And how do you feel being a part of this phase of women's distance running? Like, especially after, you know, sort of some tougher, some tougher times, some years you know, you remember years when Athletics Canada sent almost no women to major events in the distance, you know, in the distance category. And now we're sending full teams and we're running, you know, yourself included internationally competitive times across the board. So what is what does that feel like? It's very special to be a part of this women's run community right now. And I think we've all just built each other up and set the bar so high and then support each other to, you know, reach those goals and beat each other. Like Melindy sent me a message the night before my race. Like, I hope you have an amazing race. And I know she meant it. Like she wanted me to go out there and run a great race. And if that meant breaking her record, so be it. And, you know, like she's going to go out and run Toronto in three weeks. And like, do I want my record to be broken right away? Maybe not, but I would love to see her run fast. And if she does game on, I'm going to come back for it. Like, and I, I feel like these like young women out there, like Bradley McDougall sent me a message like that she was very inspired. And, you know, I have no doubt, like she's the next generation. She's going to be running in the low two twenties too. Like it's, it's just really cool. And, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, Lanny and, and Krista, you know, back in the day that they, they fought to get on these teams and they, they were the, you know, it was the first two women marathoners in a really long time that were running fast. And it was like, okay, look, we can do this. And since then it's just been this trajectory with, you know, then Rachel Cliff coming in and, and, and running a Canadian record. And it's just now that's like, I feel like to make the Olympic team in Paris, you're going to have to run sub two twenty five. Like it's just nuts. Like it's exciting. Um, I, I know that it's kind of gone viral, but I love that tweet that Krista put out right after you finished where she said, I remember talking to Tasha years ago and she said she had no interest whatsoever in a marathon. And I'm so glad that she reconsidered or something like that. Like, I'm so glad she was wrong. And and it sounds, you know, it sounds like, of course, you're positioning yourself in the context of all these other women doing these amazing things. But you also have used the word joy a couple of times. Like, it sounds like you're just really thoroughly enjoying every element of this process, like the training, the community, like that just, it all feels so special and I'm not even the one doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I needed, I'd been on the track doing the 10,000 for so long and 
it was, I think I just reached my point with, you know, enjoying that event. And so even though I'm, you know, still a runner, switching to the marathon has felt like just very refreshing and all new and the training's been all new. And, you know, obviously because it's a new event, I'm running PBs and I'm, you know, hitting times and workouts I've never hit because it's all new and that's fun. It's really fun. Like you guys know that's really fun to like every time you do a workout, it's like a PB workout, you know, like it's exciting. And I have such a great support team and like, you know, Jim and Mary Hines, they are coming out to all my big marathon sessions and they're biking with me and it's fun. Like we just have a great time out there and go do brunch after. And like, it's just, it's just been great. And I'm, you know, I do long runs with all sorts of people all over Vancouver. I'm always finding random people to jump in with workouts and and things like that. And it's hard work, of course, but I have just really enjoyed it. And I think if, if you're not enjoying it, you are not going to be successful. I do really believe that. Well, and I think there's a degree, right? Like you can be successful and not enjoy things, but like to like fully reach your potential is a different category of success, right? Like to fully actualize it, I think comes from enjoying yourself. Yeah. I think also, I think what I was getting at is like, maybe you won't have longevity in the sport. I don't think I'd be where I am today if I didn't really enjoy it and really love it. And it would be just sad if you were doing the sport and you didn't like it and you weren't enjoying it. It would be like, well, like anything in life, do something else. Especially when it's so punishing if it's not enjoyable. Like there's lots of things you could be doing that are a lot less painful um, if you're not going to enjoy it. (laughs) So tell tell us quickly what you're looking forward to about your vacation now, your very well-earned vacation. Well, we have six days in Germany traveling around with my family. And then Alan and I are going to Mallorca for five days. Um, which I'm very excited about to just, well, I'm looking forward to Germany, of course, my parents, but um, to just relax and sit on the beach in the sun, I think will be a very nice treat and do nothing. I'm taking two full weeks off of running to let this little body recover because I ain't no spring chicken anymore. You know, <laughs> I'm telling you, 40 is the new 25 <laughs> when it comes to Canadian women's distance running. So I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> I also am a quote unquote spring chicken and I also take two weeks. So <laughs> it's for all ages of chickens. I <laughs> love it. Okay. Oh, well, we wish you the very best of luck with your recovery. Enjoy your vacation. And again, Tasha Odak, just enormous congratulations on this stunning performance. Can't wait to uh, catch up with you down the road and, and see what's next. But for now, we hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks. It's fun chatting with you guys. Well, as we let Tasha go about her dinner and her recovery and commencement of of her vacation time, Maddie and I, of course, have to cover a few other, you know, somewhat exciting results from the Berlin Marathon. Like, I don't know, Elliot Kipchoge breaking his own world record by 30 seconds, Maddie. 2.01.09. Wild. Absolutely wild. Honestly, if I'm being completely transparent, secondary for me to Natasha's result, I actually, it took me, I woke up in the morning. And I said to my partner, I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, did you see how fast Natasha ran? He was like, yeah, I did. He was like, he was like, but you know, there was a world record too, right? And I was like, honestly, yes, I, whatever. <laughs> um, but yes, the Kipchoge's run was obviously absolutely amazing. He ran with three pace setters. He ran 5K and 14, 14, and then 10K and 28, 23. 
went through the half in 59-51, the fastest split ever. He wasn't planning to go out that hard, but it felt so good early on that he decided to break, attempt to break too flat. He came up just short of that, but it's just also for Kipchoge, it's the longevity. It's just how many years he's been able to do this is more, is the most impressive part for me. It's like Natasha was saying, it's a joy. It's a commitment to the craft. You cannot do that over and over again if you do not love what you do. Absolutely. And speaking about that longevity, so of course, he broke his own world record, which was 201.39. That was set on the same course in the 2018 edition of the Berlin Marathon. And fun kind of tidbit here, he now has won Berlin four times, which ties the most Berlin wins with Haile Gabriselassie. And they also both set the world record two separate occasions on that course. So Gabriselassie set the world record in 2007 and then broke his own record in 2008. And here we are 14 years later, kind of seeing history play out again with Kipchoge. So absolutely stunning, historic moment. I mean, the fact that he felt so good partway through that he was like, oh, I'm just going to go out and run sub one hour for the first half because I think I could probably break two today. Like, what? That's nuts. And then to be doing the rest of the race, like he went through halfway with those pace setters. In fact, he wasn't alone through halfway. There were other competitors there. But of course, you know, there's only so many people in the world who can run at that pace for more than a half marathon. So to then end up having to do most of this solo, absolutely stunning. Of course, there's always a huge team behind any success. And we'll link this in the show notes. But one of our staff writers, Marley Dickinson, wrote a fantastic piece, including video called The Man Behind Kipchoge's World Record. And it's basically about his drinks guy, the guy who hands him his bottles on course. And this man, Klaus Henning Schulk, he knows the course really well. He's been out like volunteering in the Berlin course for years. And he is the most committed, excited drinks guy I've ever seen. So we will definitely link that in the show notes as well, because it's uh, really kind of shows you the behind the scenes of what makes this magic happen. This is also for people who have been, you know, longtime fans of Kipchoge and the Berlin Marathon, you will recognize this person. Like this is not his first time doing this. He does basically a fist pump every time he nails a bottle. And it is just like, it is so sweet. It is so earnest. And yeah, it's 100% worth a watch on a Monday. However, as exciting as Kipchoge's record is, women's race did not disappoint. We did not have a world record. But we did have a course record of 2.15.37 for Ethiopia's Tigis Asefa in her second marathon ever. It is the third fastest women's marathon time in the world ever run. It's an 18-minute PB. She's only 28 years old. And fun fact, she was also, back in the day, a 159-800 meter runner. And she's the only woman to ever break both two minutes in the 800 and 2.20 in the marathon. So. You know, Natasha brought it up. Um, as someone who has broken two minutes in the 800, I feel um, just uh, light years away from 220 in the marathon. They're two very different energy systems. So uh, that is absolutely remarkable. A few other notable women to, to talk about. American Kira D'Amato was the top U.S. women's finisher. She was on American record pace uh, through the halfway mark. She actually went through in 69.27, remarkable, but she did fade over the second half. 
She ended up sixth overall in 221.48. When you can be disappointed with a 221.48, pretty good sign. So that was the top American. But another American that we have to make note of is the fact that legendary Dina Castor completed Berlin to get her sixth world marathon major star. There are six of them in total. She now has all six. She also has competed at the World Championships and the Olympic Games in the marathon. And she is one of only four women in history to have that set of accomplishments, all eight of those achievements. Pretty freaking fantastic. She is 49 years old and she ran 245 and change. Also pretty great. She was shooting for the uh, US Olympic trials standard of 237, came up a little short, but remarkable nonetheless. Other notable Canadian results include Brittany Moran, who was our other Canadian elite woman. She finished in 235.42. She was third in the W35 age group overall. Cal Neff finished in 221.47. He was our top Canadian man, and he was ninth in his age category of M35. We have a whole list of really fantastic performances and outcomes by our Canadians at the 2022 Berlin Marathon. You can check them out on our website, runningmagazine.ca. Well, again, congratulations to everyone who towed the line at the Berlin Marathon. It is the start of marathon season. It is so exciting that we're going to have the return after what has been, in most cases, a three-year hiatus from mass participation road racing. Of course, it started in the spring, and it's only going to keep getting better. So make sure you keep checking back with runningmagazine.ca and, of course, with us at Shakeout Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We should also mention that our very own Maddie Kelly is going to be writing a feature all about Natasha Wodak, so you can learn more about her. Check that out in the next print issue of Canadian Running Magazine. That will be the November issue. It'll be on newsstands before you know it, so keep an eye out for that in just about a month's time. For this week's Rundown, I'm Kate. And I'm Maddie. And we'll chat again soon. 